Welcome to Real Christianity, a weekly show designed to help Christians know their Bible, defend their faith, and truly understand what it means to follow Jesus. The premise is simple. The culture is getting louder. The church is getting flashier, but few pastors are teaching on how to live a biblical life. My name is Dale Partridge, along with my incredible wife, Veronica. Join us as we start an important conversation about what it really means to be a Christian. Welcome to Real Christianity. Today we are talking about our modern day prophecy in tongues biblical. We shouldn't say today because it's actually tonight. We are recording this episode at 9.21 p.m. Uh, when we're tra- trying to record this episode for what, two and a half days, days now? Yeah. It just Couldn't one thing after done. another. Yeah. So we're here. And we're going to have a discussion around, yeah, prophecy and tongues. And I'll let Veronica open up. Yeah. So modern day prophecy and tongues, are they biblical? Um, does God still use prophets in the church? Um, and if so, what do they look like? What does the Bible say in the New Testament about prophecy? Um, what about tongues? Do you need to speak in tongues in order to be saved? That's a question that we get often. Um, and how should I be viewing spiritual gifts through the lens of Scripture? So these are just a few of the questions that we're going to try and tackle and answer today in this uh, episode of Real Christianity. Yeah, so guys, if you haven't uh, already left an, a review, we would just love that if you guys could go to iTunes and just tap the stars. You don't even need to write anything. Uh, but reviews really do help the exposure of the show. And if you guys want the show notes of this episode, you can always go to Real, or not Real Christianity, you go to relearnchurch.org forward slash list. And the show is uh, available there in video format, all the show notes. Uh, The audio can be played there as well. And you can uh, get the links to Spotify, Google Play, and other outlets that have the episode. Uh, One thing I wanted to talk about is my new book is just about to release. It's in pre-order right now. So if you guys are interested in picking up a copy of my new book, Real Christianity, same title as the podcast here. Uh, The subtitle is How to Be Bold for Christ in a Culture of Darkness. And guys, the book is very short. It's it's a little five by seven book. There we go. How did I get my hands right? There we go, like that. Five by seven book. And it's a little hardcover book and it's 15,000 something words. So, uh, you know, about a third the size of a regular book. And it's available at relearnchurch.org forward slash RC. And can they read that book in one sitting? You could read it in one sitting. I actually just recorded the audio book for it, which will be available soon too. Um, and I did it all in one sitting. That's partially why we couldn't record the podcast because your throat was so sore it after was. reading the uh, book. The audio book, yeah. You did it in one sitting, right? I did, yeah. yeah. And you can also um, you can also pick it up as Kindle uh, as well. So it's in pre-order right now. If you're listening to this episode live, um, it'll be available on all outlets uh, probably soon if you're listening to it post now. So we're going to start the conversation. 
on these massive topics. And I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be pretty heavy in today's episode. And guys, if you're seeing, if you're watching the episode right now, we have a couple of flies in here that I tried going to war with before this episode. So uh, I had no luck. Not so. trying to make you upset, babe, but I literally saw a fly fly straight across the camera yeah. just a few seconds ago. Yeah. So you'll notice that. Um, so I'm going to be talking probably more than Veronica this episode because we're going to just dive into some pretty heavy topics. Veronica's almost to be asking me some questions. It's going to be a little interview today. Interview today. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. So um, first thing is we are not, Veronica and I are not cessationists. Now that's a theological word. Um, what is a cessationist, right? Th- they believe, and I quote, a cessationist believes the charismatic and spiritual gifts of apostleship, prophecy, tongues, healing, and miracles have ceased, that's where the word cessation is, have ceased at the death of the apostles, and while God may continue to heal or produce miracles, he does not use humans to accomplish this work. So that is, there is a group of Christians who are called cessationists, and we are not part of that group. Um, Now, this is a heavy debate in the church, a heavy debate, um, almost as heavy as the Calvinism and Arminianism uh, debate that's going on. Now, John MacArthur and Dr. James White, who I both respect, they're both cessationists. Um, John Piper and D.A. Carson are not cessationists like Veronica and I. And so you got just really heavy theological hitters who have differing perspectives on this, that some think the gifts have ceased completely and some don't think that they've ceased. We have our perspective of the scriptures say that they have not ceased. And um, so I, I believe that all the spiritual gifts listed in the New Testament are still alive, but many are not well. You know, this idea of alive and well, some of them are, are not well. And I think we need to have a discussion about that today. Um, and I think it's because the church has lost its spiritual sobriety or reverence for the word of God. I think that's the root of what's going on. We've distorted and perverted many spiritual gifts into emotional expression. And it's become really difficult to discern what's authentic and what's actually deceptive. And that that's what makes it so difficult today. And again, that sobriety, that reverence for the word of God, I think really helps um, solve that problem. So personally, Veronica and I have been really careful around spiritual gifts. Um, and again, we're not against them and we think they're alive and functioning in the body of Christ, but we are, we, have, we do have a very careful hand. And I don't personally align with uh, the kind of modern Pentecostal movement or the health and wealth prosperity gospel, uh, or, or even uh, really what's kind of going on in the theology of spiritual gifts at like churches like Bethel. I would say that's, that's far beyond the expression and understanding of the biblical look that I have um, and Veronica has on this, this topic. Uh, you know, Bethel offers their uh, school of supernatural ministry. And my response is that if you can learn uh, or improve a spiritual gift, then it's a skill and it's not a gift. If you can go learn to prophesy uh, or to heal or to speak in tongues, um, uh, then these aren't, these are the skills of man and these aren't the gifts of God. And so I, I just want to be very cautious about like the idea of trying to learn how to do spiritual gifts. That they're gifts. You, you don't get a chance to, to learn them. And so, um, 
yeah, so what do you think? Yeah, so um, in this episode, I just I don't think that we can focus on all of the spiritual gifts because yeah. that's that that's a lot of time. Yeah. We don't have that. It's nine thirty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, Dale and I are going to discuss apostleship and prophecy and tongues. Um, and since there are so many people that ask us about it, we're going to spend most of the time discussing prophecy and tongues. Um, but let's go ahead and just start with apostleship. Um, and Dale, I remember. A while ago, you told me a story about you grabbing lunch with a man who had called himself an apostle. Um, what do you make of this, and how should people be viewing this, uh, viewing this kind of statement through the lens of Scripture? Yeah, this is a pretty... I thought it was a real rare conversation, but I've actually found out that a lot of people call themselves apostles. And so I'm going to talk about what that means from a biblical perspective. So the word apostle means sent one. That's really just uh, what it means. It's a Roman word that was given to someone who was in charge of speaking on behalf of the emperor. And so that, that's what it was. Basically, if you disobeyed an apostle, you disobeyed the emperor. So that's the kind of understanding in the cultural historical context of the word for the New Testament. But in the biblical sense, um, an apostle was given the authority to speak on behalf of God or to speak on behalf of Christ. And so that's that's why that word is so important. It's a big uh, biblical word. And so there's a difference um, between the office and and the, the gifting. We're going to talk about that in a second. But the office of apostle, the office of the sent ones, there's only 12. And Jesus personally chose those 12 men. You can see that in Luke chapter 6, 12 through 16. But the, the office of apostle were filled by those 12 men. And we can see this again affirmed in Revelation. Revelation 21, 14 reads, And the wall of the city, he's talking about the new Jerusalem in heaven, and the new heaven and the new earth. It says, And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the lambs. And so I want to connect this just real quick to Paul earlier he writes in first first corinthians chapter three this kind of same idea of like building and foundations and i want to kind of give you just a, a bigger picture of this he says according to the grace of god which was given to me as a wise master builder i have laid a foundation and another builds on it but let each one take heed how he builds on it so basically what Paul's saying here, what Revelation's saying here, and the idea of apostleship is that the same way, you know, maybe you'd go to your house and draw your name in the foundation of your house before it gets built or before it gets built. Um, th- this is exactly what Jesus is doing. He's giving the apostles the ability to have their names in the foundations of you know, the, the the new Jerusalem, but really what it is is that he's a master builder of the laying the foundation for the church, which Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. And so it's a cool word picture uh, at the very least. And what this means is there's no longer any capital A apostles, uh, which is bad news for the Mormon church, uh, some Pentecostal churches and the International House of Prayer because these people all kind of say this capital A apostle. I'm an apostle. They, they count it as an office. Um, now, I, I will say, I, I, I can buy into the idea of there being apostolic workers. And this is little a, apostolic workers, which again is basically men who follow in the work that was accomplished by the 12, the same style of work. And, and these men, the, the 12, what they did is that they were called to plant new churches with new believers. 
That's really what Paul did. If you look at his life and his ministry, he planted new churches with new believers. Today, we might call these people missionaries. And, um, and they're not just traveling evangelists. They are you know, folks dedicated to really midwifing new churches. Like they're, they're like birthing new churches, preaching the gospel and establishing new churches. So I think to wrap up my point just real quick is you have the office of apostle. That's one thing. And that has been filled. And there are no longer any living people that are sitting in the office of apostle. And that's a sacred word. It's a, it's a big word. And it's really important we understand that. Then you have the call of apostolic ministry. And that's, again, evangelizing and planting new churches. I think a lot of people that call themselves apostles, I think they mean the little a. But it's just good to know the difference, uh, biblically speaking. Yeah, so... Thank you for sharing your perspective on that. Um, the next spiritual gift that has gained a lot of attention under the modern church is prophecy. Um, a very well-known pastor recently said in a sermon, uh, while you were worshiping, God changed your whole financial situation. Um, I've also heard lots of preachers say things uh, kind of like, uh, God just told me X, Y, Z, or the Holy Spirit has spoken to me and said or even uh, the word of the Lord for this year is, is this. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, what do we do with this? Um, is prophecy dead? Um, is there any validity when people say things like this? Mm-hmm. Um, but most importantly, what does the Bible have to say about prophecy? Yeah, I think a lot of people are, are under-educated, uh, under-educated <laughs> on the uh, idea of prophecy. I think we want to know more about it as a whole, as a theme throughout scripture. And, you know, these are important questions. What's the difference between Old Testament prophets and New Testament prophets? I think this is probably the the central question that a lot of people get lost on. And so uh, the Old Testament prophets were like the literal mouthpiece of God. Um, They weren't there to translate. They were there to straight dictate exactly the words that were going to be delivered to the nation of Israel from God. And so there's a, there's a verse in Deuteronomy 18, 20 through 22. It's a tough one. I'm gonna let Veronica read it. Oh, great. You guys all know how great I am at reading out loud. <laughs> <laughs> but the prophet who presume, presumes, see, there you go. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, How shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. Okay, so this is a a really important passage to understanding Old Testament prophecy. Um, You know, one is that... if you say something that it doesn't actually come true, you are to be killed. And, and so Old Testament prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, uh, they had 100% accuracy. And again, if an accuracy, if it came to be false, what the prophet said, then there was a, a, a purpose to die there. Um, and so there's a really heavy expectation for Old Testament prophecy in the nation of Israel under the law and in relationship to uh, those that are sitting in that office. And so I want to break down the difference between um, 
Old Testament prophets and New Testament prophets. So I want you to pay attention. I'm going to say a statement. I'm going to read it because it's just so important. And I'm going to say it twice so that you can grasp the concept here. Okay, Old Testament prophets were foretellers of the future according to God's revealing words. New Testament prophets are foretellers of truth according to God's revealed words. Okay, one more time, I'm going to say that, is that Old Testament prophets were foretellers of the future according to God's revealing words. He's revealing words and they're speaking it. New Testament prophets are foretellers of truth according to God's already revealed word. Mm-hmm. And so the Old Testament prophets are, are ultimately revealing um, the, the, the word of God as it's being spoken to them. And New Testament prophets are proclaiming the revealed word of God Um, And so how do we know this? And then we will discuss some differences here in a second. So Hebrews chapter one, verse one through two is a really important scripture, uh, knowing that Old Testament prophecy is dead and New Testament prophecy is different. Because it says in Hebrews chapter one, one through two, it says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, but has in these last days spoken to us by his son. And so God used to speak to us, his people, I should say, uh, by the prophets, but now he speaks to us by his son through the gospel uh, and through the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk about here in a second. And I'd argue that that um, this is a really important point. I, I would argue that after Christ died, even the apostles aren't bringing any new revelation. I think they're just clarifying the revelation that was already revealed in Christ, in the Gospels. There, if you just even look at, at, like, there's no new way for salvation. There's no updated, um, you know, insight on, on how to be saved or, or how to have a relationship with Christ or, or the mechanics of the Gospel. They're just bringing clarity to those things. And so it is a really important distinction for you guys to make. Hey, Dale Partridge here. I recently heard a disturbing statistic. Only 11% of Christians have read the entire Bible. Now, we can't wonder why the church is being influenced by the culture more than the culture is being influenced by the church. The vast majority of Christians don't know God's word because they've never read it. We cannot live out what we do not understand. So Veronica and I want to challenge you right now to read the Bible in one year. We've put together a basic 365-day reading plan that'll take you no longer than 20 minutes per day, and you can download it for free at relearnchurch.org forward slash Bible. Again, that's relearnchurch.org forward slash Bible. So when I hear this, um, I wonder then, what's the difference between a Bible teacher and a prophet? Um, if a prophet is foretelling God's revealed words, then how is that any different than a pastor preaching God's word on a Sunday morning? Yeah, this is a good question. So First uh, Corinthians 14.3 tells us what prophecy uh, is in terms of its relationship to the church. It says, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. So that's, that's what prophecy 
the result of prophecy is, is that it's someone that speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So first, we know that it's edifying. That's important. And we know that it's comforting. Uh, but for something to be exhorting, that means that it's actually corrective. And that means that it assumes a moral law of some sort, which again, my thought is that if it if it's exhorting, it needs to be attached to God's word. That's the moral law, that you can exhort something against some sort of objective truth that stands still there. And so again, th- this is prophecy uh, explained in the New Testament. Now, in, in my biblical, biblical study and experience, prophecy is something that's always prompted and carried through by the Holy Spirit. And so you're going to see the difference, what I'm saying here, is that the words of a prophet must always agree with the word of God. Okay, so, so just because we have a prompted revelation by the Holy Spirit, in order for it to be validated as a prophecy, a valid prophecy, uh, the words of the prophet must always agree with the word of God. Always. Mm-hmm. And the Spirit and the word will always agree. Just, just keep that straight there. You're never going to get anything revealed that doesn't agree or align with Scripture. And so 1 John chapter 5, verse 7 says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And so the Word of God and the Spirit of God aren't going to disagree. They're not going to be revealing new information. They're, they're going to be affirming the information that's already revealed. And so that's an important function. First uh, John chapter four verse one even warns us to be really careful about people who are saying or claiming that they're prophesying. It says, "Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world." So it opens with this command: is like you should already start with skepticism. <laughs> Don't believe everybody that calls themselves Christians and says that they're they're preaching the word of God or or having a prophetic word. Just don't believe it. No, that no. First thing you do is test the spirits. Now, what do you test them against? The word of God. You test them against scripture, the word of God. And and why? Well, because there's many false prophets that have gone out into the world. So, just because someone has a prophecy, if it doesn't align with scripture and the principles of scripture, then it's probably a false prophecy. It's probably a false prophet. And um, so to answer your question, what the difference between a Bible teacher and a prophet is I view um, prophecy as a Holy Spirit prompted preaching according to God's word. So I'm going to say that again. I I view it as a Holy Spirit prompted preaching according to God's word. And this is different than a prepared teaching of God's word. And we've seen this at church, mm-hmm. that you have a prepared teaching where I studied several days before, and uh, I bring a prepared teaching. That's different than an in-the-moment, Holy Spirit-prompted, revealed message. Yeah, scratch the notes. It's just prompted. You start going. Boom. And it's mm-hmm. it's the Spirit is leading, and we are going. And sure, we're going to be talking Scripture. We're going to be talking Revelation with conviction, with passion. The Holy Spirit's going. And I think a lot of people would go, like, this. these are the best sermons. When the when the pastor drops the notes and says, okay, we're just going. Well, totally. And, and in our situation where we're in a home church, I know a lot of you guys are not in a home church. Um, we have a little bit of a unique situation there. But I'll notice that uh, if there is a Holy Spirit-prompted teaching— generally like the other men in the fellowship 
are prompted as well. And like it ends up being like at a really amazing time where you can just see the Holy Spirit moving through the body of Christ. Yeah, and everybody's using scripture because the Holy Spirit is one with the word of God. And all the messages kind of align. Yeah. Really, I mean, they do. And it doesn't erase the fact that there is expository teaching. We we go through the word of God every single Sunday mm-hmm. as a church should. But it becomes that when the spirit, when Christ is the head of the church and the Holy Spirit is the head of the meeting in terms of their, the movement, it's not it's not sitting on your schedule. It's not sitting on your program plan. And a, a prompting, is a revelation is revealed to someone nearby that aligns with the scripture and we get to test the spirits is what it says. Um, the, the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And so the, there's rules and understanding about prophecy and how those can be played out. And it's important because a lot of people in the culture, the, the church culture, don't understand this. So um, New Testament prophecy is the human report of a divine revelation that aligns with scripture. Okay, I'm gonna say that one last time. New Testament prophecy is the human report of a divine revelation that aligns with scripture. All right, so the last spiritual gift that we're gonna discuss is speaking in tongues. Um, And this reminds me of a little story. Um, Many years ago, probably maybe a year into me becoming a Christian. Um, This is before we were married. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to a Pentecostal church where people there were speaking in tongues, like everybody in the congregation was speaking in tongues. And they kept prompting me to do it. And they were even telling me that that I'm not a Christian, that I'm not saved because I can't speak in tongues. Mm -hmm. And as a new believer, that... That, Super like, discouraging. that just devastated me. I was like, but like, I do believe in God and I do think that I have the Holy Spirit. And they're like, no, no, you don't. Like, not unless you, you speak in tongues. And I was at this church service and so much so that they like, there was several people up in the front, but they brought me up to the front. I didn't walk up there. They brought me up there. And several people, probably 10 people, I don't know, were laying their hands on me, praying over me and all speaking in tongues. And I'm just standing there like sobbing, crying because... I thought that like, I thought I was a Christian. I thought I gave my life to the Lord and just praying and asking God like, Lord, if this is of you, please give it to me because I want to serve you and I want to honor you. And it never came Hmm. for me. Um, And so it was really hard to have these close friends who I loved, but were telling me that I wasn't a Christian and I didn't have the Holy Spirit. Um, I've also, yeah, it was just, it was a crazy time. Um, So, Hearing that, what do you think uh, the Bible's perspective is on something like that? On this, yeah, it's um, it just makes me mad. Like that, just like it's so sad. It um, makes me mad now. Now yeah, that I, I have more understanding. Yeah, and guys, in the middle of this, I'm fighting this fly. So it's literally landing on my microphone. Yeah. So, so um, we're buzzing. We will win. Um. So yeah, speaking in tongues, guys, is. Historically speaking, in the New Testament, um, it, it's this spiritual gift that was commonly seen as a result of the Holy Spirit coming up upon a person. That's what you kind of see as the scriptural New Testament narrative. Um, as I'm waving my hands here, fighting this fly still. I'm not going to give up, guys. Um, and this is, again, descriptive of what happened. It's not prescriptive of what to do. Uh, or of what must occur. It's descriptive of what happened. People spoke in tongues when they received the Holy Spirit. Um, it doesn't imply that that happened to everybody, uh, but it was something that that happened quite often in the record, of of especially in the book of Acts. 
And so um, 1 Corinthians 14.5 is a really key verse for kind of, uh, I guess, removing this false doctrine. Uh, Paul, who's writing a letter to the Corinthian church, which is a church full of Christians, he writes them, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Like, just I wish you all spoke with tongues. But even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. Okay, so one, per, first Paul's telling us that not all Christians speak in tongues. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- there's other parts of scripture that would elude this uh, and support this, this point here. Uh, but second, tongues are not to be elevated uh, above prophetic truth. And so it's actually not, not only is it you don't need it, but it's actually not nearly as important as uh, other spiritual gifts that people are um, aiming for in terms of the, the church at this Corinthian time. There's a passage that you need to read. It's too long for me to read on the show right now. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 6 through 25. And it really gives a great understanding of tongues. I want you to read it and just be with a careful eye, read it slowly, um, read it in the ESV or the New King James, and just get your, your head wrapped around the idea of tongues. Read it as if you were an attorney reading terms of a contract. Um, read it as if you were reading it as a 10-year-old, and you're just going to take it very literal for what it says. And it'll really break down a lot about tongues. But tongues were typically um, seen as a language that where the gospel was being preached uh, in a language unknown to the one who speaks it, um, for the foreign hearer in the room. So it would be like me um, speaking in tongues uh, in German to the person who only speaks German in the room and is hearing the gospel in German, mm-hmm. even though I don't speak German. Mm-hmm. So that, that's one expression of, of tongues, which is awesome. Um, that's not the general expression that we see in the church today. Um, the other expression is like a spiritual utterance. Uh, some people have called it an angelic language that occurs, I think, when a person is in communion with the Holy Spirit. Um, and, uh, to an outside world, it's babbling and not edifying. And that passage of scripture I told you to read talks about why it's, it's not something to be done in the church unless there's an interpreter. You need to be careful when you do it. It's not for a public thing. It's a private thing between your relationship with God. Um, and, uh, I'll actually read you that verse. It's, it's, uh, in that chapter and it's verse 18. It says, I thank my God. I speak in tongues more than you all yet in the church. I would rather speak five words with my understanding than, uh, that I might teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. He's showing the utter uselessness of tongues without interpretation. And so what Veronica was dealing with, all these people babbling at church around her with no interpretation, it was complete chaos. Yeah, and I w- I've been around uh, speaking in tongues a lot in my early years of Christianity. Um, and out of those, I'd say probably three years that I was in that, um, only one time did I ever see somebody interpret a tongue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so um, to wrap it up really is not all Christians have the gift of tongues. I don't have the gift of tongues. Um, I'll be honest, I've prayed for the gift of tongues before, um, but I don't have the gift of tongues. John Piper did a great video about him talking about that how he prayed for the gift of tongues. Um, and um, yeah, it doesn't mean that you're not filled with the Holy Spirit if you don't speak with tongues. 
Um, and you know, therefore you and your relationship with God in private, uh, don't do it in public unless you have an interpreter. Um, and, and that's it. We don't need to elevate tongues like the Corinthian church did in chapter 14. Um, Paul set them straight in that relationship. Okay. Well, thank you guys for joining us today on Real Christianity. As you guys know, you can always find this video and the show notes at, uh, and this episode at relearnchurch.org forward slash listen. There are flies everywhere. We're trying not to freak out. Um, <laughs> but also, if you are a regular listener to the show, would you please be willing to go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes? Um, there's no need to write anything. All you have to do is tap the stars. Um, and your reviews really do help our ministry, help support our ministry and get the uh, show exposed and reached to other people out there. Yeah. And um, also just a closing request, guys, it's a really big support to our ministry. If you guys could pick up a book um, and pre-order a copy of Real Christianity. Again, that's relearnchurch.org forward slash RC. Okay. Thanks for joining us, guys. We will see you next Wednesday. Take care. Hey, Dale Partridge here. You may not know, but Real Christianity is actually an audio ministry under our nonprofit organization, relearnchurch.org. Our mission at Relearn Church is to bring the church back to the Bible. And secondly, to relearn what it means to be the church in the world. Now, we do this in two ways. The first is we offer a library of biblical articles and sermons, as well as a variety of podcasts and videos, completely free to the public. Secondly, we offer seminary-grade curriculum and workshops to train Christians on how to plant biblical house churches and missional communities. As of now, we need your help to meet the demands of our annual budget. If our work or this podcast has been impactful in your life, would you prayerfully consider supporting Relearn Church financially? From $10 per month and up, every little bit helps. If this interests you, you can make a tax-deductible donation at relearnchurch.org forward slash donate. Again, that's relearnchurch.org forward slash donate. Thank you for your consideration. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Real Christianity. Real Christianity is an audio ministry of relearnchurch.org. If you'd like more information on how to live out a biblical life, relearnchurch.org hosts a variety of articles, podcasts, sermons, and videos to support your journey. Real Christianity is a 100% listener-supported ministry, and if you'd like to support our efforts, simply click the Donate tab at relearnchurch.org. You can also connect with both Veronica and I on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for daily lessons and Bible teachings. Thank you for being with us today. We hope to see you next Wednesday for another episode of Real Christianity.